Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We are going to be joined in studio, San Antonio studio, with... The Honorable Jason Isaac, Senior Manager and Distinguished Fellow with Life Powered, and his co-partner, Brent Bennett, PhD, a Policy Analysis with Life Powered as well. And we're going to talk about some very interesting topics today. We're going to cover all things energy, meaning we're going to talk solar, we're going to talk wind, we're going to talk Tesla batteries And we're going to also cover some of the things that are happening here in the city of San Antonio with their green movement. Um, And I want us to be really informed. When we talk about energy, we know oil and gas is crucial to Texas economy, our economy. But it also has really been uh, beaten up for quite a while on how bad it is. And I thought it would be a great show if we were to talk about all the different energies. And look, I'm not against Uh, oil and gas, but I do want everyone to be knowledgeable on the different sources of energy and how green they really are. So we will be joined by them a little bit later on in the show. First, I want to go ahead and get a little bit out of the way of housekeeping. You know, Shell Magazine just dropped their latest issue in which their cover is former Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke. And you remember him. He made a big splash when the Trump administration basically brought him on board. He had a lot of uh, changes, regulatory changes that really supported and helped the oil and gas sector. And he's also, and I was not aware until they did the story and I read it, that he actually served on armed forces and the special forces. So he's a very, very interesting guy who has pretty much donated his entire career to public service. So If you want to read all about former Interior Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke, please go to shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G and read all about him. I'd also like to invite you to a couple of events that we're going to be at. The first event is going to be October 30th. It is called the Shell Magazine and Texas Alliance of Energy Producers Energy Mixer. It's going to be held in Midland, Texas at the Doubletree Hilton in their Sky Lounge. Quite swanky. Do expect it to be a sold out event. So please join us again. That date is October 30th. It is a mixer. Begins at about 6.15ish. This will be a sold out event. If you want tickets, please go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com to get your tickets and buy them now. We're still accepting sponsorships as well. And then we also would like to invite you to join us in Houston, Texas, as we attend the Consumer Energy Alliance's Energy Day. Now, I don't know if you've attended it, but basically this Energy Day is awesome for family and for children. It's their first introduction, we believe, into STEM and learning more about it. So the Energy Day is set for October 19th. It's at Sam Houston Park, a beautiful park in downtown Houston. What you will find is about oh, maybe about 100 different exhibits there. All of them are hands-on activities for kids to do and definitely learn more about STEM. And you know, this might be the first opportunity to introduce 
your little ones into a wonderful career that involves all things STEM. So please, for more information, go to energydayfestival.org. That's energydayfestival.org. Now it's time for me to bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. I'm really enjoying this nice, cooler weather, and it's it's about time because we're in October. But I want to jump in on some questions that we have for this week because there's a lot happening. So let's get started. The Houston Chronicle reported this week that there were more drilling rig activity in Lee County, New Mexico, than in anywhere in Texas or, or you know, pretty much Permian Basin in Texas. That's kind of unusual. Tell me what is your thoughts on what's going on here? Why have they moved to New Mexico, part of the Permian Basin? Yeah, so it's interesting. It's just kind of part of the natural evolution of of any major resource play, like the Permian Basin is. You know, the the activity in in Lee and Eddy County in the southeastern corner of New Mexico, where the Permian Basin, you know, goes into Mexico, um, has been taking longer to get started, basically. And so what, what we've seen is, at first, all the, the drilling rig activity, most of it was concentrated around Midland and the Wolf Camp uh, Sprayberry plays there around Midland, Texas. And then it kind of shifted south when, when people started getting into the Delaware Basin, which is, you know, closer down around Pecos, Texas, in that area, in Reeves County. Uh, and so for the last few years, that's really been the focal point of the of the development of the Permian Basin down there in the Delaware basin part of it well the delaware basin also goes up into you know that's the part of the permian that goes up into the lee and eddy county and so now it's the next big hot part of the play area as as its leases are newer you you haven't had a lot of uh, you know the drilling obligations that that every company has to fulfill when they do a lease you have to drill within a certain number of years. Well, those obligations are coming due there in Lee County. And so so you're seeing a lot of migration of drilling rigs up there into New Mexico. And it's, you know, it's uh, creating a very positive revenue situation for the state government there. And, uh, and you know, all the attendant impacts, frankly, from, from any shale boom, uh, you know, where roads get crowded, you have a lot of traffic, and you have to deal with all those kinds of, of issues there in those communities as well. So but this is just the natural evolution of the Permian uh, play there, and it's how all oil developments, big oil and gas developments, uh, evolve over time. Interesting. You know, the Houston Chronicle also had another report this week detailing comments from the New Mexico governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham. And uh, she made it seem like she's the industry's biggest fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's going on there? This, this is kind of a big change for her, isn't it? It is quite the turnaround. My, uh, my, my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she got elected basically uh, as the enemy of the, of the oil and gas industry in her campaign, which the campaign was before you had this big boom, you know, starting in Leonetti County, which has poured several billion new dollars into her state government, uh, most of which goes to supporting schools and hospitals and health care and, you know, all those kinds of impacts that we see in Texas, you know, um, uh, school districts and, and everybody else benefits from it. 
financially. And so, yeah, you know, suddenly she's she's all uh, thrilled to death with the oil and gas industry, it sounds like, anyway. Although she, you know, she continues to try to heavily regulate things and uh, in ways that are going to be counterproductive down the road for everyone. But, uh, but anyway, at least in her public statement, she's begun saying some good things about the oil and gas industry, and that, that's always nice coming from any governor of any state where you're you're trying to operate so it's, but it's amazing how you know politicians attitudes follow the money stream oh we've been seeing that a lot lately. gee imagine yeah. that let's switch gears talk about of course um, our favorite topic oil prices the uh, the eia released a new report this week in which it lowers prediction for crude prices for 2020 they're now predicting that wti might fall well below 50 dollars a barrel what do you think? Because this is not good, <laughs> if it is. Yeah, no, it, it wouldn't be good if that happened. Uh, you know, their projection is based uh, on the fears basically uh, running around and that have been running around for six months that uh, the global economy is slowing. Demand for crude oil will slow along with economic growth, uh, particularly in China and, and you know, the, the places that have been the high growth areas for demand in recent years. Uh, but, you know, that's all still up in the air, too, frankly. I mean, the United States economy is, is doing pretty well. Right. Uh, we just had fantastic jobs report last week and uh, unemployment at a all-time low and economic growth just booming right along. And if, you know, uh, we're having this meeting with China and the U.S. on trade negotiations later this uh, or this week, and, you know, if that produces any positive results, uh, you're going to see the projections for crude prices to go right back up because a positive outcome in trade negotiations will probably help to revive the Chinese economy, which definitely has slowed this year because of all the tariffs. So, you know, a lot depends on, on trade negotiations. And uh, if you end up with a good outcome before between now and the end of the year in those, then you're going to see these price projections for crude oil go right back up to where they have been. Well, one thing that never really changes, I think, uh, that we talk a lot on the show is how quickly things do change in oil and gas. It's almost like the weather. If you don't like it, stick around. It'll change very quickly. So, uh, David, we're getting ready to go to break. And, of course, we have Jason in studio and Brent. But I'd like to ask if you would stay on the line with me. And uh, let's welcome our guests back from break. We have to take a quick break. You know, we're going to cover all these different energy sources. We're going to cover the Tesla battery. We're going to cover solar and wind. I think the audience is going to be very surprised to understand. We're, we're basically fed every day. These are really green, green, green things. We should be moving in this direction. I thought it was a great opportunity for us to have a show on are they really that green? But So we're going to take a break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Join us Saturday, October 19th at Sam Houston Park for the 9th Annual Energy Day, one of Houston's largest free family STEM festivals. Energy Day has music, food, games, and a whole lot of fun. Enjoy over 60 interactive exhibits showcasing science, technology, engineering, math, energy, and careers. Don't miss out on the fun. Admission is free and is brought to you by BHP, Golden Pass LNG, the Consumer Energy Education Foundation, and Consumer Energy Alliance. For more information, visit energydayfestival.org. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. 
When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show we are being joined by david blackman by phone the editor of show magazine and we have in studio the honorable jason isaac senior manager and distinguished fellow for life powered and brent bennett phd you're the policy analysis for life powered welcome back to the show we had you guys on here not too long ago a couple of weeks back talking about what's going on in the city of san antonio that kind of concerns you guys you guys came back to studio tell me why you're back in san antonio and the significance to the city of san antonio sure and it's actually significant to probably all the listeners that are listening to your show across the state of texas and hopefully across the country because we're in san antonio for a series of town hall events to educate the citizens about the climate action and adaptation plan, which is merely a carbon reduction action plan with a more fitting acronym that the city of San Antonio is pushing. Not only is the city of San Antonio pushing this, over 400 cities in the United States have signed on to the Paris Climate Accord. In a political move, in my opinion, when the president signaled his intention to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord, he said, I represent the people of Pittsburgh, not the people of Paris. Uh, The Pittsburgh mayor started, along with several other mayors, started with this coalition, the C40 group, which, uh, mind you, I I think is meeting in Amsterdam, no, Copenhagen this week. Uh, I know the mayor of Austin is, is there attending this mayor's initiative on climate. But over 400 cities have signed on to the Paris Climate Accord to reduce carbon emissions. So when we polled people in San Antonio, they weren't aware of this plan. And then when they find out about the plan, over 60% of the people are opposed to the plan. Uh, but it's interesting to note the, the population makeup here in San Antonio, the people that are overwhelmingly supportive of this plan, or I think over 66% of the respondents in support of what the city is doing, are old, wealthy, and white people. Not the general makeup of the population here in the city of San Antonio. But it's happening in Dallas. It's happening in Austin. It's happening uh, in Houston. So th- cities throughout the country are moving forward with these plans, which we'll probably touch on to, uh, during the show, uh, have very little environmental benefit, if any at all. Brent, why do you think the city is doing this? I mean, we see a model, 400 cities, like you said, Jason. Why? What, what, what is the point? What, what do you think the, the underlying issue is why we need to be doing this? 
Well, the the idea is that if all the cities band together, you know, their cumulative effect on reducing CO2 emissions might have some effect on the climate, right? So since... Will it? I mean, our, our belief is no. Um, and, and the facts that we, that we see coming out all the time, you know, constantly say that no, the emissions reductions are going to be fairly minimal. And even if they, even if they were to get a significant reduction in CO2 emissions, it's going to have very little effect on the future climate. Um, and so we're really spending a lot of money to, to do not very much at all. Uh, and then also, and then also via these mechanisms of, you know, of trying to get rid of CO2 emissions that will raise energy prices. And so, um, there's, there's just not much, there's a lot of cost and not, not much of any benefit. Yeah. So then one of the questions I always wonder about is how scientific is this? Because we're talking about elected officials. They're elected. They come from different backgrounds, but I don't remember any of them being scientists and experts in the environment. So how are they making these assessments? And then and you are, y'all are sitting on the opposite side. How much of this is scientific based of what their position is? You know, the scientific community, I think, has a wide range. Yet you pull scientists, and there's no consensus. You know, there's a wide range of opinions on what will happen in the future. But there's a political census that is that is anchored on this one side of the issue. Uh, and that's kind of what's driving it. It's not a scientific consensus, it's a political consensus that this is this is what's going to happen in the future. And this is what we need to do to fix it. Uh, and we're out here trying to say, no, there's actually a very diverse range of possibilities. And we should be focused on, you know, what's going to be the most effective and low cost means to make our future better. Yeah, it's, it's virtue signaling at its finest, and it really boils down to control. Is the city of San Antonio and, and other cities around the country want to control how we live our lives? They think they know what's best for the people that they serve, and they don't want the people to have a voice. Uh, and it's just appalling to drive up the cost for, for really zero point zero some small decimal improvement using UN model numbers. And that's what Brent was talking about a little bit is using the United using the same models that the United Nations use. If we were to go completely carbon emission free by twenty thirty, the temperature reduction by twenty fifty would be zero point zero nine seven degrees. That's if the United States completely goes carbon-free emissions by 2030. That's a, that's a negligible improvement, again, using models that have been flawed in the past. But we want to use their models that they're using. So why punish the United States when we're already a world leader in clean air? We're already a world leader in access to clean and safe drinking water. And we're leading the rest of the world in reducing harmful emissions and CO2 when other countries aren't following suit. So we're actually the leader. We are. And I guess as we move into break... Tell me quickly, what is the negative impact? Because the consumer, the person out there listening, does not really understand how it's going to impact them. Yeah, it's, it's going to see a significant increase in the cost of electricity and the land required to generate electricity from carbon-free sources such as wind and solar. They're carbon-free when they start generating electricity, but to make them is absolutely not a carbon-free process whatsoever. But significantly higher increase costs in electricity. To the tune of, I think, an increase of cost in San Antonio. Brent, I think we've just come out with the research of around $1,000 per family per year for electricity cost alone. You also discussed that we would start seeing changes in how we do things here, too. So we'd have less cars, less parking spots, uh, less 
roads. And I think the point you were making in the last show of why you were here was the inconvenience that a lot of people now will be having to depend on public transportation. So if you're a mother with three children, you have to get on a via bus to get them to school and then you go to work. It's just unbelievable. So let's take a break. When we return, we're going to be joined by David Blackman. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'd like to thank you for joining in. Today, we are being joined in studio, the Honorable Jason Isaac, Senior Manager and Distinguished Fellow for Life Powered and Brent Bennett, PhD. You guys, we were talking earlier about why you are in San Antonio. There's some concern about the city of San Antonio is rolling out with this green initiative. I know that uh, we've talked to some of the companies that are here and they're concerned with this too. It's not just going to be a, a, a bad thing for the environment. It has so, such a little impact. It's going to cost a lot of money, but it's also uh, going to affect jobs in the city too. But I do want to switch gears. We have David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine on the line. I want to switch gears and talk about all things green, right? We have a lot of discussion out there, chatter, you know, oil and gas is bad and Tesla is awesome. You should go buy one if you can afford it. Wind and solar, we're going to get into the next segments of all of that. But I want to bring you guys in with David. Jump in when you have a question on Tesla. But let's begin with what is your initial thoughts on Tesla, the car, and the batteries more specifically that they have in them? Sure, yeah. Well, I used to I used to build batteries, not, not those type of batteries, but uh, different chemistries. But the fundamental thing about Tesla is they've been able to create kind of a new business model uh, and and use a lot of subsidies as well to to kind of create uh, to create a product these vehicles around lithium-ion batteries which have now you know now pretty established technology. Um, there's nothing. There's a lot of engineering that they've done to make it possible. Pretty incredible engineering, really. But the technology, the battery technology itself, is not something that's fundamentally revolutionary. Um, it, it it is. It has been revolutionary over the course of 30 years. But um, you know, it's the same technology. It's in our cell phones and in our laptops and so on. They just scaled it up so that you can use it in cars. Same types of lithium-ion batteries. So it's really, to me, more of a, a business and a 
engineering thing that they've done than really anything that's fundamentally transformational. On the subsidy side, yeah. it's sorry, David. On the subsidy side, it's in, we refer to it as reverse Robin Hood. Is majority of a vast, vast majority of owners of uh, electric vehicles earn over six figures, and they're receiving tax credits. Which again, that burden is being shared with the least among us more than anyone else. And so you actually have people in poverty that are paying through their tax burden for six-figure earners to subsidize their cars. Reverse Robin Hood, you're stealing from the poor and giving to the rich. And then you look at the sourcing of the materials that go in the batteries that are necessary, the cobalt. Uh, this massive, significant portion of that coming from the Congo in Africa, where UNICEF estimates that 40,000 children are working in those mines, some as young as four years old, I've four years pictures. old yeah. working in cobalt mines to bring those materials to surface. David, come on in here. Jump on in here. You have a question for Yeah, I do. You know, there was a, an incident. You had to talk about these batteries and the cars themselves, which are beautiful automobiles. And, and frankly, you know, if I was a very wealthy individual, I might even think about buying one, but the greenness of these cars is really suspect when you see the incident that happened in Austria late last week. Was that the one that blew up? Mm -hmm. Tesla was in a wreck, ran into a tree, caught on fire. It took 11 tons of water just to put the fire out. And then the officials there, local officials, had to bring in this specially constructed, extremely expensive container, specially made for electric vehicles when they catch on fire put the Tesla into this container and fill it up with uh, tons more water to keep it there for three days because there's a 72-hour time period when even after the fire is put out, the battery could explode, catch on fire, and leak all kinds of chemicals, acids uh, into the environment. So, so you know, is that really a green automobile? And, uh, and, and quite frankly, you, you know, you just kind of have to wonder – exactly what we're doing for the environment and building and selling these things. Yeah, there isn't, there's no such thing really as, as green energy, right? All energy production and energy storage as well has an impact on the environment and the materials that we have to mine to create batteries. Um, and with lithium-ion batteries, the problem is that they react with water. So the, the fire department obviously wasn't very aware there of the international standards for how to put out battery fires. You need special chemicals to do that, to put out a battery fire. Right. And they, they tried doing it with water, just it just makes it worse because it reacts with lithium and causes it to explode. Um, so that was really crazy. Well, <laughs> let's take a break real quick. When we return, we're going to get back on this topic. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Join us Saturday, October 19th at Sam Houston Park for the 9th Annual Energy Day, one of Houston's largest free family STEM festivals. Energy Day has music, food, games, and a whole lot of fun. Enjoy over 60 interactive exhibits showcasing science, technology, engineering, math, energy, and careers. Don't miss out on the fun. Admission is free and is brought to you by BHP, Golden Pass LNG, the Consumer Energy Education Foundation, and Consumer Energy Alliance. For more information, visit energydayfestival.org.
back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Um, our guests today are Brent and Jason with Life Powered. David, I'd like to bring you back on because I had to go to a hard break. But you were, we were talking about Tesla and their batteries. It's a kind of a concern, in my opinion, how safe are the vehicles and especially those batteries. Uh, let's bring you back on. Uh, I know I shut you down. What were you going to continue to say? Well, David, I'll jump in. This is Jason. I, I, it's interesting you were talking about this issue with this battery, and it sounded like a mini Chernobyl. I wonder if Netflix is going to do a series in 25 years That's on this particular idea. accident and becomes a tourist site. <laughs> <laughs> no, we joke a little bit, but you know, it's interesting. Texas A&M University and College Station has a, a center where they train firefighters around the country on how to deal with certain uh, spills in certain fire instances, whether it's propane, natural sure. gas, or just standard fires, but that's a great place for people to come in. And it's more prevalent, propane for as a vehicle fuel and for heating your homes is so much more prevalent than batteries per se and, and natural gas. And so I doubt many firefighters around the world have been trained on the standards for fighting fires with lithium ion. I didn't know until you know, Our Dr. Expert. Brent Bennett yeah, was telling yeah. me about, oh, you never put water on a lithium battery fire. Uh, it's common sense to him because he's a Ph.D., but certainly not common sense to me. To the average person. Sure. David, what were you saying before the break? Well, just that, you know, if you require special chemicals to put out these battery fires, well, what if what if the, the fire is, you know, if the, if the wreck had occurred next to a river or stream? Yeah, and you're pouring all these special chemicals to put out the battery fire, and they get into the river or stream. You know, it's just like ha- having a hazardous waste spill uh, and all the things that you have to do to, to clean those things up, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, again, they're beautiful cars, uh, and just lovely, uh, and I guess, you know, there's a, a bunch of very wealthy people, you know, who make up a market for them, but uh, it's kind of a fake market, as you said before. Hey, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk some solar and some wind. There was some a lot of social media that, on my feed this past week, and we were talking about wind turbines. We see a lot of them all over Texas now, and Texas is the oil and gas capital pretty much of the United States, if not the world. What are y'all's opinions on wind turbines? Because I understand that, are they really that green? I'm questioning that too. I don't think so. Yeah, well, I think there's this, we talk about green, there's, there's again, there's no such thing as an energy source that has no impact on the environment, right? Uh, and so th- this green label has been attached to r- wind and solar because they don't emit CO2. There's this hyper-focus on emissions uh, that doesn't take into account land impacts, material use, mining, and so on. Um, and, of course, the, the materials needed to make wind and solar panels are not renewable. And, yeah, they last a long time, 20, 25 years, but eventually they do break down and you have to dispose of them somewhere. Uh, so there's there's always an environmental impact, and we have to consider that when we think about these things. Yeah, every every source of energy that we consume has some sort of environmental impact, and we need to work towards utilizing the one that has the least environmental impact, that has the most energy density, because you look at wind and solar and the amount of land that is required that Dr. Bennett alluded to, it's massive. And if you think there's a lot of wind turbines now, just wait until the, some of these policies start getting implemented. Our research shows that you'll need $5 million acres of land for generation of wind and solar nearly 10 times what's what we use now for mm-hmm. for generation of our electric generation today if if we go carbon free electricity in texas 5 million acres 1.2 million additional acres for uh, transmission lines so the transmission lines needed from the from the hill country in west texas to come into our urban areas would just be a checkerboard 
uh, of power lines throughout the hill country just it would not be very attractive but that's what's going to be necessary to move the electricity if we truly want to go with this low density form of electric generation mindless and not 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 to mention that it's not reliable it's certainly not uh, affordable at this point in time every family in the state of texas is already contributing two hundred dollars per year towards subsidies for renewable sources of electricity. David, you got an opinion on uh, solar and wind? Sure, yeah. I mean, isn't the other limitation there, of course, right now with current battery technology, that the, that the battery technology simply does not exist to allow us to go to 100% renewable energy. Um, and so we're going to have to have, you know, natural gas capacity to back it all up when the, whenever the sun doesn't shine and, and the wind doesn't blow. Yeah, that's a good point because in, in the city of San Antonio, this, Brent did this research for us. Brent Brent figured out that if you took all of the entire battery capacity stored on Earth today or in use in, in on Earth today, would keep the lights on in the city of San Antonio for couple two of hours. hours. Yeah. yeah, less than an hour in New York City. That's, that's what's available today around Earth. So imagine the scale that you would need to keep the lights on for a significant period of time. And you have people in Venezuela with a hospital loses electricity for a week and 47 people died. And, and I was going to say that it's not just a problem of technology, but one of scale. People always say, well, the technology needs to improve. Well, it will improve slowly over time, but it's also just a problem of scale, raw scale. Uh, and that's something that you can't get around uh, with just better technology. Well, you know, we've all seen 18-wheelers going by with these wind blades, the, the, the turbine. You just look at how massive they are. I have a home in South Texas, and uh, my landscape is all of these wind turbines out there, these big wind farms. And going to Midland, you see them as well. You know, I look out, and I'm like, this is going to be the new landscaping for Texas, where we see nothing but wind turbines everywhere and these huge, you know, amounts of uh, land that's being taken up by them. We're going to get ready for break. When we return, I want to talk about uh, something that hit my social media platform this week on uh, the bearing of these wind turbines and where they have to go. And I want to talk about a port visit, the Port of Corpus Christi that I did, that we have actual wind turbines out there that are not operational. And yet they're kind of stuck where they are. When we return from break, I want to get on the subject again of mostly wind. I want to try to cover that topic. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. 
When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Join us Saturday, October 19th at Sam Houston Park for the 9th Annual Energy Day, one of Houston's largest free family STEM festivals. Energy Day has music, food, games, and fun. You can also enjoy over 60 interactive exhibits showcasing science, technology, engineering, math, energy, and careers. Don't miss out on the fun. Admission is free and is sponsored by Chevron, Technip FMC, the Consumer Energy Education Foundation, and the Consumer Energy Alliance. For more information, visit energydayfestival.org. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. At the end of this segment of In the Oil Patch, Kim, Jason, and Brent will be talking about an event that has already happened in San Antonio. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dr. Bennett, Ph.D. with uh, Life Power and the Honorable Jason Isaac with Life Powered. And we're joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine and, of course, our expert, all things oil and gas. Gentlemen, before the break, we were talking about solar and wind. And I'm quite concerned because on my social media uh, platform, it popped up that we are now burying these humongous wind blades in the beautiful Wyoming, which is just, you know, this amazing, uh, beautiful place. If you've ever been there, why are we burying these blades? Where is uh, wind turbine heaven? Um, you know, what, what does that look like when you have to decommission them? Yeah, well, the uh, wind turbines, of course, use a lot of steel and a lot of concrete. Um, some things can be recycled, some can't. Uh, and again, these are huge machines. Uh, and so whatever the parts that cannot be recycled have to be buried. The, the blades themselves generally can't be recycled, although I think there's w- more work being done to make that possible. Um, but they have to go somewhere. Uh, so that's they've actually, yeah, there's a uh, landfill in Wyoming that's been, op- that's been specifically kind of designed to take them in because not a lot of places can take in the, that, those huge blades. And so, so they've, they've opened themselves up for that. What does this look like? Like we're already going to have a whole bunch of wind turbines everywhere as we look out. And then we're going to have a whole bunch of wind turbine graveyards as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and keep speaking of chemicals to fight battery fires, you have a lot of chemicals that are inside wind turbines necessarily to lubricate them, to keep yeah. them moving. And so I love it when people say we've got to ban all fossil fuels immediately and then go 100% renewable. Well, you're not making 
a single ounce of renewable energy without hydrocarbons. It's just not happening. You're not going to keep it in the ground and then think that there's this mysterious uh, energy-producing rainbow, to paraphrase someone from a large oil and gas company to what they said. Uh, It's just not going to happen. You need fossil fuels if you're going to produce significant amount of reliable, affordable electricity. Uh, but you're going to see more decommissioning. The Texas legislature uh, in this, this year, 2019, approved a bill that the governor signed to require decommissioning of the windmills when their life is done. And so you're going to have thousands of them around the state that aren't required to decommission. They're just going to sit there. Uh, and there's no maintenance that's required of them. But now new ones that are built uh, starting, I, I believe, September 1st, of this year will have to be decommissioned and there needs to be a, a mitigation plan for that decommissioning when they're when they're done with their lifespan in 30 or 40 years well it's it's a real problem you know uh, and uh, as we with no about, real uh, solution uh, yeah with no real solution and, and, and we didn't even have regulations requiring uh these things to be retired and disposed of when they reached the end of their useful life until this year and you know it's not, and it's not just the turbines and, and the gigantic 500 foot towers they sit atop of. It's also this gigantic concrete pad that they stand on. And and think of all the concrete. Where's that all going to go? Or it does? Or I don't even know if the regulations require to to be dug up and gotten rid of. But you have thousands of those gigantic concrete pads dotting the landscape all over the place. You know, it, 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 it's such a contrast to the requirements that we have in the oil and gas industry that when you plug an abandoned well, you have to restore that location to what it looked like before you got there, basically. Right. You mentioned concrete uh, pads. So it's, it's, yeah, sorry to interrupt, David. You, you mentioned concrete pads. It's in, in the summer pads. The pads that are poured in the summer contain at least 20%, get this, carbon fly ash guess where that's captured from you capture from the socks the scrubbers uh, that are at a coal-fired power plant which are doing which right. is a pollution control technology that we utilize here in the united states another reason we're a world leader in environmental protection a world leader in air quality you capture that fly ash and it's actually a valuable product to use during the summer when you're pouring concrete 20 percent of the mix of concrete there's fly ash as the outsider are looking in just kind of hosting the show This is exactly why we do the show, because I just don't think that the majority of individuals just really understand what's going on. And it seems like it's just completely like the the world has gone mad with where we're going versus what we already have and how it's not as bad for the environment in the way that they say. But these are better and they're really not. Um, I want to take us back as we close out the show. Jason, uh, talk to us a little about. Uh, how can people in San Antonio who may be concerned with higher utility bills and job loss and other things that are going to happen with this? Uh, now, these are goals, but we need to be vocal. Where can people go to learn more, ask you guys questions? You're here tonight, and then what can they do to get involved? Yeah, so we'll have a series of town halls. They've been televised, or they'll be uh, live streamed, so you can check our website, uh, lifepowered.org. That's life powered.org to learn more and actually watch a, a taped version of the town hall that we're doing. You can also interact with us social media. You can email us if you have questions. You can look at our research. You can I'd encourage you to look up what's happening in California because these California environmental policies have played out already in other states and they have failed. And there is a lawsuit happening in California. It is the 200 versus the California Air Resources Board, CARB, the state of California. It's over 200 
100 civil rights activists that are suing the state of California because their environmental policies have had an impact on the least among us more than anyone else. That Black and Hispanic communities have been adversely affected, mm-hmm. negatively affected more than anyone else. And the same thing is going to happen right here in San Antonio. So I'd encourage you to call your city council person, whether it's San Antonio or Midland or Corpus or Houston or any area that you're listening from and tell them that our climate is doing phenomenal here in the United States. We're a world leader. And to not support these plans that are going to lead to an increased cost in electricity. You cannot afford an increased cost in electricity, especially in San Antonio, one of the most impoverished cities in the country. I couldn't agree with you more. You guys, where are you going to be at? You're going to be at a library somewhere. Yeah, tonight we'll be at the University of the Incarnate Word. No, we're actually at UIW. We're, we're over at that university and have got a great town hall planned. We're at uh, 6.30 at the UIW Okay. And the that's right there on Broadway yeah. and Hildebrandt. If you want to get involved and be knowledgeable or at least try to get informed, come join us. We'll be there to talk all things that are happening here with this green energy plan in the city of San Antonio. I'd like to also leave the listeners with it is it is important you do your civic duty to have your voice be heard. We're one of the only few countries that has that ability to do that. October 17th, City Council will vote on this. And this is your opportunity to go and be heard. So come tonight and then plan on joining me October 17th at uh, City Hall to talk about how we are opposed to this green plan goal, if you will, to keep our utility bills where they are. But for now, we have to sign off. Thank you for joining us. For more information on the show, please go to shellmag.com. Or if you want to get a hold of Jason or Dr. Bennett, go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com. Thank you for joining the show. David, thank you for being a guest on the show. Guys, thank you for coming to studio as well. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.